I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. I was thinking uh, when I was sitting here that I have to be honest, I've never felt so in the will of God like I do right now. I feel so in the will of God in this season, in this era, whatever you want to call it, just so in the will of God. And I'm excited to be a a part of uh, worship church and a part of what Apostle Bob Sharp is doing and uh, the young people here. One of my dreams has been to teach the world how to pray and equip and train the next generation. We said it last week that Brother Hagen's, Kenneth E. Hagen, my spiritual father from back in the day, said that if we're not careful, the art of intercession is going to be lost to generations to come. So to me, this is like a dream come true. You can't make this stuff up, I said to my friends. I said, can you believe that we're here? I mean, I didn't even know you existed. And you are literally 33 minutes from my house. We're all meant to be together. We're all meant to build this kingdom together. And I just never felt so in the will of God like I do right now. So I just wanted to share my heart with you. We're going to continue in the vein of uh, where we left off last week. I want to continue to write the vision on the tablets of your heart concerning this end time awakening and concerning the revival, if that's what you want to call it, that is definitely going to hit the East Coast. One of the things that God said to me in 1981 when he sent me here in the first place, he said, this land that is desolate is going to become like the Garden of Eden. And he gave me a a rhema word out of the book of Ezekiel, and he said the churches are going to be filled with flocks of men. There's going to be an end-time revival. People have passed by the East Coast, and they've said that land is too hard, that land people are not open. But God said, where sin abounds, my grace is going to so much more abound, and I am going to work a work in your day in this region that if it were told you, it would be like a dream. And I personally, and along with my team and many others who have came to the East Coast to pioneer works, we have and stayed in the, in the fight or in the flow or even in the ministry. We have, you know, we have been laboring and laboring and laboring, and we know that, that what God has said, he is able also to perform it because he's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. What he has spoken, he's going to make good. So that if God told us he's going to send an end time awakening, a wave of revival to the East Coast, well, I'm going to continue to partner with him, agree with him, co-labor with him, and do my part. And I, that's why I feel like what's happening here at Worship Church is a big, is an integral part of what God is, 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 is doing in this, this land and in this region, and I believe it's going to affect the whole East Coast. So when I want to piggyback on um, 
tonight is what we talked about last night, to continue to write the vision on the tablets of your heart. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So one of the things about prayer is you have to have a vision. You know, and, and I like the fact that we have our vision coming from God. We're not making it up in our heads. We know that God is interested in this region. He's interested in pouring out his spirit. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that's coming to me. This is the land that the Lord your God cares for. His eyes are always upon it. Somebody look that up and tell me later on where that is. But God's eyes are upon this region. His eyes are upon the East Coast. He cares for this land. But we've got to have a vision if we're going to persevere in prayer. We said last week, Luke 18, 1, that discouragement is the beginning of the loss of vision. And we've seen it. I don't sense it here as much, but we've seen it because my role is to teach on prayer, pioneer prayer, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we're seeing a lot of people of prayer, men and women of prayer, mothers and fathers in prayer. We're seeing a lot of the intercessors, the men and the women of prayer, fainting, losing heart, laying down their mantle, and it's because they become discouraged. But you know, what I'm hearing in my spirit is though the vision, Terry, wait for it, Habakkuk said, because the vision is yet for an appointed time, and the vision is going to speak. It will not lie. It's going to surely come to pass. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what the deal is. If God's spoken it, he says, I will make it good. Again, we've been laboring since 1981, but I will say this. We didn't know it, but we were in a measure of a move of God back in the day. I think we would say, what, about 83, 84, 85? It was amazing because I, would, I, would, I was a young minister back then, and I was like 22, 23 years old when I did my first speaking engagement. It was on the Holy Spirit, ironically. But I can remember laying hands on someone on the far right and someone on the far left started to fall under the power of God. We were in such a wave of God. People were so hungry for God that they would literally come to church three days in a row every single night. Are you listening? People, we didn't know what was going to happen next. We, we had meetings in a, in a four-square church in Collins Lakes, and I can remember children falling under the power. You didn't touch them. Nobody touched him. The Holy Spirit had his way because we allowed him. And children would fall under the power, and children were having visions of Jesus. Well, I want that. You know, God said in the last days, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. And I want to see another outpour of the spirit like that. And again, that's what we're laboring for. So we're going to continue to teach on prayer. We're going to continue to motivate in prayer. We're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. So let's continue to write a vision. Are you good with that? Because I got to obey God. <laughs> I have to obey God. And what I love is that there's so many young people that we're training and equipping. Amen. The early church was not only birthed in prayer, but fed and sustained in prayer. Now, that's, that's like a, like a three-hour teaching, you know, revival um, in the book of Acts. We're not going to talk about that now. As a matter of fact, we have a lot of years ahead of us to continue to labor in teaching, and I know one day we'll get to that. But for now, for tonight, I want to talk about the revival um, that, that, that took place right here in America. 
It's one thing to talk about the revival that happened at the birth of the church age in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and all the signs and wonders that happened. But what about uh, a revival right here in America that took place after the birth of the church age? Would you like to hear a few of them? Okay, between the 1730s through the 1740s, that was a long time ago, God poured his spirit out on the colonies. How many of you know your history? One of the leaders was Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, and others. There was such great conviction, one would go through town and people would be in their houses crying out to God. Now remember, we can't produce that. It's not by might, nor by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. All things are possible with God. But let me just say it to you this way as well. But all things are also possible through believing prevailing prayer. When we partner with God, we co-labor with him, we get in agreement with his heart, we get in agreement with his vision, and we press in and we press through and give birth to what he already has on the inside of his own heart. We just take a hold of his heart, we take a hold of the Holy Spirit, we pray in the Spirit, and we pray out the will of God, and then we see the will of God accomplished in the earth. What did God say in his word? God said, I would that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How about this? And we're going to talk about this. How about whole cities being saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth? How about your entire region being saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? How about your entire family being saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Is that possible? All things are possible with God and all things are possible with believing prevailing prayer that's why God is raising you up that's why there's such an anointing on this message you can always tell when God's in something when there's an anointing on it I always do my best to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because when anointing lifts off of a message, God's already moved on. Now he has another message for me. This is how I operate, to bring to the body of Christ. So there is an anointing on this message, and you can sense it. And we said this before. We'll say it again. Remember, spiritual things are transferable. So what I carry and what I have on the inside of me is coming up out of me and is going into you and there's impartation that's happening. Not only that, <clears throat> but there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation that's being imparted unto you in the knowledge of prayer. So what's going to happen is you're going to get wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. And where I stood at your age, those of you that are younger, you're going to take what I've had, you're going to pick up that mantle, and you are going to supersede me. Are you listening? So let's go on. So people would be in their houses crying out to God. People would be coming in on ships and be a hundred miles away from America, and the conviction would hit them. Now, who's the one that convicts? The Holy Spirit. It's his job to what? Amplified version. To convict and convince the world of their need for Jesus. So the Holy Spirit was so active 
in this moment of, in, in church history. That when people were 100 miles away, they were in the boats and they were getting convicted by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Think about it. How many of you would like to see that in our day and in our hour? Okay. People were getting saved and whole towns were drastically changed. Here's another great awakening. 1790 to 1840. This one, listen, lasted 50 years. Can I just say that you know that I know, we all know that we're living in the last days? I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to know that we're definitely living in the last days. There's never been a day like this day. Look at all the calamity that's happened in the world even in the last 25 years. We are living in the last days. So this particular one, that's why I'm saying we need a long revival. Do you know, I believe that the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. I believe that a revival can hit the whole earth so that all men will have a chance to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Wow. So this revival lasted 50 years. One of the main men, listen to me now, God was using was Charles Finney. Now some of you young people don't know this, so pay attention. He would preach and bars would shut down, jails would eventually be emptied, whole towns were changed. See, I have a vision for this. This is why I do what I do. This is why for me, there's no retiring, ever, ever, ever. There's only refiring. Are you listening? Jails eventually emptied out, whole towns were changed. The origin with these revivals all started with prayer. The reason Charles Finney had so much success everywhere he went is because he worked with a man by the name of Father Nash, <laughs> who went weeks in advance to wherever he was preaching, wherever Charles Finney was preaching, and he would lock himself up in a hotel room, and sometimes he would also bring other people with him, and he, he or they would fervently pray. Nash, Father Nash, was not a preacher. He was an intercessor. Finney got all the headlines. Oh, look at that anointed God. Oh, Charles Finney this, Charles Finney that. He got all the headlines. Do you know that what makes you a king on this earth can be your stumbling block to your rewards in heaven? The things of this earth are, God looks at the things of this earth differently than he looks at the things as they are in heaven. There's a different set of history books. There's earthly history books and there's heavenly history books. So remember that when you go into your closet and you shut the door and you pray and you do something in secret for the kingdom because the Bible says your works and your labors will follow you and God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Nash was not a preacher. He was an intercessor. Finney got all the headlines, but it was Nash who labored in prayer. Charles Finney said, the key which unlocked the heavens in revival was the prayers of Nash and others who laid themselves before God's throne. So what are some rewards? This is, in, this is in all of them. Believe me, when I was sitting there, the Lord gave me a couple more to add because we, we only have so much time. 
<laughs> what are some of the rewards and benefits of being a person of prayer? When you are in God's presence, like we were tonight even, the Bible says in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. And when you're in his presence, it causes strength to be imparted unto you, strength to run your race, strength to do whatever you've got to do. It causes strength in your life. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Seven days without prayer makes one week. So when you spend time in the presence of God, it causes you to be stronger. Are you listening? Number two, again, these are just a few. Being a benefit of a person of prayer. Number two, this is one of my favorite. It causes intimacy and friendship with God. I love you, Lord. I love you so much. Lord, we are what we are by your grace. And we do what we do because we want to see your face. We do what we do because we're friends with you and we want to partner with you and we want to be close and intimate with you. We want to be called a friend of God. We want to be like Moses, my father, where he knew you and was so close to you, face to face. It was as, as your word says, he spoke to you like he, like he would speak to a friend. And father, we just want to say to you tonight, what was Moses' greatest legacy? That's what we want. His greatest legacy was not that he was a prophet. It was not that he would prophesy. It was that there arose not a man who had such intimacy with you. And, and you added on the signs and the wonders and the miracles. You know, everybody wants to be used in signs and wonders and miracles. But, you know, the overflow will rise up and flow out when you have intimacy with Jesus Christ. All true ministry is born out of intimacy. So when you're a person of prayer, it, it, it cultivates friendship with God. Prayer produces intimacy. Prayer, let's just say, produces intimacy with the one you pray to, with the one you pray for, and the one you pray with. We're just highlighting that and we're moving on. It's a whole other message. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And what? He is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know, when I was younger and I was just starting out in ministry and I can remember I had a little condo in Pennsylvania and I lived by myself, which I can do because I'm an introvert and I liked that because it was always that God was with me. He was my friend and I would just act like he was there because he was and I would talk to him all the time. And I can remember like when I would go into the prayer of intercession, I would... I would sometimes in my youth, and I think it just in my soul, I would say, Lord, I'm going to pray at like 1 and 2 in the morning because most people around here are sleeping, but I have more of your attention and more of your ear. 
Now, we know that there's no time and no distance in the spirit. In, the unique thing about God is this, that he is, so, he is so interested in us. The Bible says that he knows how many hairs we have on our head. He, he's created us. He knows everything about us, every single one of us. I love that about him, don't you? But anyway, so he goes, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door. And your father, who is in the secret place, he says, he will reward you openly. Here's another one. When you pray and you're a person of prayer, especially the prayer of intercession, we're going to talk about that in the weeks ahead. You are laying up treasure in heaven. The Bible says that your works or your labors will follow you. And intercession, we're going to get into this as we move forward, is a labor of love. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Jesus was an intercessor. He came to the earth to be the bridge between God and sinful man. He's saying the greatest act of love you could do for another person is to lay down your life for them in prayer. So when you're an intercessor, you're laboring fervently in prayer. And we're going to talk about that. I can tell some of you don't understand it because I could sense it. But we're going to explain it as we move into the next few weeks. So when you're, you're laboring in prayer on the behalf of a region or a city or a nation or a person, whatever, it is a labor. But when you pray, your works, your labors will follow you. Not only that. But did you know that when you pray, every time you pray, no matter what manner of prayer you're praying, Revelations 5.8 says that your prayers go up before the throne room of God and they were like an incense. So when you pray, your fragrance goes up before the throne of God. And I truly believe that's why some people recognize something on you and they can't figure out what it is. Because when you're a man or a woman of prayer, you carry what the Bible calls the fragrance of Jesus Christ. We are unto him a fragrance. And when you're spending time with him, you're, car you're a carrier of the presence of God in a greater measure. And therefore, you have a, a greater You have a greater fragrance about you. I was thinking today when I was doing my Pilates with my girl that trains me. I was thinking about her, someone, I'm not going to say who, and this person was training me as well. And for some reason, I was thinking about, and, and, and when I was working out with this other trainer, this other trainer just opened up her whole life to me and started downloading all these really private things. And she goes to me, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. It was something extremely personal. She started crying. And I said, you know, Lord, I was thinking about it today. What was it? He said, because she sensed my presence on you. And it causes people to get vulnerable around you and feel like they can trust you. Because they trust whatever it is that you're carrying. Okay, lastly, and then we're going to move into some other things. Rewards of being a person of prayer. We sang about it tonight. When you pray and you spend time in the presence of God, whether it's corporate or individual or continual or meditative or praying in your bed, whatever the case may be, 
okay? You don't know it because you can't see it in the natural, but you are being changed into the same image from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory as you behold him. You see, my friends, you become what you behold. So when you're spending time in the presence of God, you don't realize it, but you're being changed into the same image. You're becoming more Christ-like. Amen. Catherine Coleman once said, the greatest power given to any individual is the power of prayer. Leroy Brownlow said, let us not neglect prayer just because we do not fully comprehend the infinite power of God whose throne we kneel. I do not know everything about gravity, but I know it works. Well, let's talk about what we do know. And I'm going to lay a simple foundation because we're building something here. Are you listening? I want to talk to you about four simple foundations about prayer. Four simple foundations about prayer. Now, the next time I speak to you, I'm going to ha I have a whole booklet that I created that I'm going to give you. So a lot of some of this, as we're moving now, is in the booklet. Four simple foundations about prayer. Number one, <laughs> you have to ask. I'm just going to say it. Is that all right? The grace people don't like that. <laughs> Are you out there? <laughs> and I think they've kind of lifted their little stance on this because they realized that things weren't working, and now they're trying to figure out why, and it's because they thought that they didn't have to ask God. No, we're not under the law. We're under grace. So because I'm under grace, everything just automatically comes to me. I had a friend of mine, I guess it's a former friend because he never talked to me again, who was a peer in ministry. And he literally got up in a pulpit in, in a pretty big church in our region, and he told the people, I don't pray anymore. I couldn't believe it. I said, you don't pray. And I, and I got him on the phone. I said, well, what, are you, what are you telling people? You don't, are you nuts? You can't get people to pray anyway, and now you're telling them, you're a leader, that you don't pray and that you don't have to. Then he went into this whole thing, you know, we're, under, we're not under the law, we're under grace, it's law, 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 law. You talk about being ignorant. Yeah. One principle of prayer is you have to ask. John Wesley once said, it seems like God is limited by our prayer life that he could do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. Okay, so why is that? I'll tell you why, and we're going to show you in the Bible. Make sure everything that you learn about whatever the subject may be is in the Bible. And let me just say this before we get into that. I wanted to say this earlier. What I love about being partnering with this ministry is you guys are really strong in the Old Testament. And the things that you bring out and the nuggets that you bring out, I, I never heard before. And it really complements what I carry. 
Because I'm really weak in the Old Testament. I even took a class, you know, Old Testament survey. I went back to college after Ramah. I did all kinds of things. But there's just certain things I don't get. So when I heard Pastor David speak, I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen that in the scriptures. So I love how we complement one another. My point is make sure that whatever you're learning, especially about the prayer of intercession, is in the Bible. Okay. So why is it that we have to ask? God is not running everything in this world. He does not have everything under control. Okay? Where did you get that? Well, because we, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, are co-laborers together with God. God needs us just as much as we need him. Stay with me. He legally cannot do anything in this earth without us. The reason being is he gave this world over to Adam. I'm going to show you. And Adam turned it over to Satan. But Jesus, in Jesus the dominion and the authority and the keys of hell, death, and the grave, and the authority has been restored back to the church. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, Go ye therefore and in my name. All authority has been given unto me. Now I want you to go therefore and use my authority, use my name, use my word, pray in tongues, and you will see results. Woo. It's not quesera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. I told you the story of John Ramirez, right, last week. And those of you that did not listen last week, I encourage you to go back. And one of the things he said later in another interview was, he said he hated it when the church would pray because it would abolish his works. Remember John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, destroy. So the enemy wants to kill, steal, destroy, take over the land, take over the country, take over the region, take over your family. But when you pray, Jesus, the Bible says in Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name, if they would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, turn from the distractions of this age. He said, I'd hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. And if you see that there's not the waters and the rain of revival, when you pray, the heavens will be opened. I will pour out of my spirit, but I need my people to pray. That's why I'm really happy <clears throat> that we have all this teaching, or we had all this teaching from Kenneth E. Hagin on new creation realities, who we are in Christ. Because when you find out who you are in Christ, there is no stopping you. Because it's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. And more, the more of the life of Christ we release in our prayer time by using our authority, using the word, praying in tongues, Whatever the word of God has given us, the more we will see Christ manifest in the earth. Okay? With that being said, man is God's avenue into the world. I'm going to show you scripture and prove it. 
Therefore, it is necessary that you ask. I know you guys don't you really carry a Bible anymore. I don't really like that, but what are you going to do? But Genesis 1.26, it says here, Then God said, God said. Everyone say, God said. God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them, all right, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That word dominion is the word rada. It means to tread, to rule, have dominion, Dominate. God told man to dominate the world. Dominate the environment. You are to dominate it. The English definition means to rule or to have authority. So God did not say to Adam and Eve, I'm going to dominate you. Did he? He didn't say that. Because God gave man a free will. So God didn't say, I'm going to dominate you. Adam stay with me, originally had dominion upon this earth and in the world. In a sense, listen, he was the God of this world. Listen, Adam was so powerful that he lived into 900 and something years old. He had the life of God in him. He was never meant to die. Do you know that? But when sin revived, or he committed, when he disobeyed God, sin, re, sin revived in him, he died. He died spiritually first, and then in the natural, his body died. That's why God had to fix it so that he wouldn't eat from the other tree and therefore live forever in a death state. That's why God sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to redeem mankind from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. He was the second Adam. What was lost in Adam was restored in Jesus Christ. So don't tell me that you're not going to pray and that you don't have to pray. Grace movement. I believe in grace. We need, I especially need more grace. But 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15 is still for today. Man is God's avenue into the earth. Psalm, see Psalms 8.6. God has made man a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. So we know that in a sense, Adam was the God of this world, but Satan came and lied to Adam. And what happened? Did God really say that? Are you kidding? Did God really say that if you ate of that tree, basically disobeyed? It wasn't really about the apple. It was about the heart. And the obedience, just like he wants out of us today. Did God really say that? And Adam began to doubt, listen to the enemy. And what happened is he listened to the devil instead of listening to God. He submitted himself to Satan. He didn't resist the devil and the devil flee. He submitted to the devil. 
instead of submitting to God. And so therefore, it was an act of treason. Are you listening? It was an act of treason. And he sold out to Satan. His will went towards Satan. He listened to the lies, and therefore he fell. And then that's why you have the scripture that says, Adam, where are you? Gosh, can you imagine? They had all that fellowship. They enjoyed intimacy. They had friendship. Adam and Eve didn't have any clothes on. They didn't even know that they were naked, and suddenly everything changed. The whole world changed. A curse came on the earth. Read uh, Deuteronomy 28. A whole curse came on the earth. You know, I firmly believe that bees are under the curse. Now, I know we need them. I get it. And there's a bee shortage. But you know what? I think, okay, let's say it like this. God created the bees, but I don't think he created the stinger. So a whole curse came on the earth. The whole world changed, and Satan became the god of this world. You know what? Can I just say this? Can I go till another 10 minutes, Pastor? Is that all right? Okay. You know, that's why I like the movie The Lion King. It's one of my favorite movies. And when Lion King came out, I had three kids in one year. I wore T-shirts and sweatpants, hair in a ponytail, three kids in one year. I was not in ministry for that season. My ministry was actually my kids. I was actually training and equipping the next generation. Didn't even realize it at the time. But anyway, I can remember the Lion King coming out. And I remember how, was it, was it what, was, what was Simba running from his father? How many of you remember that? And then one day, Mufasa, that's the father, right, says to Simba, Simba, you have forgotten me. And then, you know, Simba's like, what are you talking about? I've forgotten you. He said, I loved it when he said, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. And even back in the day when I was raising my kids, the Lord was saying to me, remember what I've called you to do. Remember who you are. Don't ever forget I've called you to teach my people how to pray. I remember one time all the kids were on their trikes, running through the house. Yes, I let the kids ride their trikes through the house. You would too if you had three little babies in one year. You'd, you'd unplug everything, you'd put everything away, get the trikes out and just let them have the house on the tile floor and whatever. And I remember my son going right by. He wanted a cookie. Cookie, cookie. I handed him a cookie. He'd be off his merry way. Cookie, cookie. Come around again and handed him another cookie. And in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, there's a need for my people to pray. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Well, you know, hindsight's 2020. You know, do you see how God has orchestrated our lives? But I said all that to say, you know, the movie Lion King, what happened when the bad guy took over the land, the region? Darkness came. A curse came. Everything became dark. But when Simba took his place, remembered who he was, remembered who his father was, remembered his training, he came back, and because of his presence, this land was completely restored. That's a visual of what happened at the fall. Adam just sold out to the enemy, and darkness came on the earth. But I believe we're, com- we're going to have a new day. I don't know, I don't know pre-rapture, pro-rapture. That's not my job. But what I do know is that we need to pray right here, right now. Amen. All right, here. Ready? I'm almost done. 
Luke 4, 6. This is a very good teaching. There's a very strong teaching anointing here tonight. Did you notice that? You know that, that the anointing is in me and it teaches you all things. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I always like to tell people, like, you think that we get up here and it's just like, you know, the Holy Spirit helps to orchestrate the meetings. He causes my thoughts to become agreeable with his thoughts and therefore the meeting succeeds. Luke 4, 6 says, And the devil said to him, unto Jesus. Now, this was a real temptation. And if it wasn't a real temptation, then it wasn't a temptation. But this was a real temptation. So what the devil said was real. The devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. He's talking to Jesus and all their glory. For this has been delivered to me. And I can give it, Satan said, to whomever I wish. That's scripture number one to prove my point that you have to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. You'd be like, what was that? You'd be like, who am I talking like? Where did that come from? You'd be like. <laughs> You'd be like. And don't be telling me, oh, I don't know how to pray. I don't know all the scripture. I don't know da 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 All you need is a few scriptures in your, in your arsenal, and you are effective in prayer. And remember, Christ is in you. And so therefore, when the enemy sees you coming, he's afraid of you because of Jesus who's in you, who already spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of him openly, and triumphed over him in it, in his death, burial, and resurrection. The devil's afraid of you. He's afraid of you finding out about the prayer of intercession. He's afraid of us really entering into this place of prayer. That's why there's been such a spirit of heaviness on the intercessors and on the mothers and the fathers who teach on prayer. Me, personally, I just ignore it. Because once you've had a level of warfare, you just, after a while, oh, it's just warfare. Oh, it's just warfare. All right, devil, I'm not going to stop. So Whatever. All this authority I will give you in their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. That was a real temptation. Here's another one. Ready? 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. The God of what? This age, lest the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Another translation says, the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do you see that? Because if you look that 1 John 4, 4 scripture up, you'll find out that what he was talking about is the devils, the demons, and the evil spirits. And then he goes on to say, but you are of God, little children, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Okay? So God cannot legally and justly move and take away that dominion from the devil. The devil has dominion here. He has a right. He has Adam's lease, so to speak, and God cannot do anything unless somebody here asks him, okay? I'm going to shoot us some more scripture. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. I don't want to hear that. You're hearing it because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you have to ask. I'm going to quote you a bunch of scripture really quick. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and it's in the booklet that I'll give you next time. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Matthew 6, 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you. Ask him. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil or natural, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you shall agree on earth uh, concerning anything that they what? Ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, Holy, you give the Holy Spirit to them that ask them? John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Side note, that word ask means demand. We're not demanding of God. We're partnering with him, but we're demanding of the devil. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. John 16, 23. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you Ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Here's a big one. James 4, 2, B, if you really want to get specific. <laughs> you have not because you ask not. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. I'm not under the law, no way. I'm under grace. And the devil's just running rampant in your life. Psalms 2.8, ask for the heathen, they're your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the world are your possession. Ruth Graham Bell said one time, God has decreed to act in response to prayer. Ask, he commands us, and Satan trembles for fear that he will. Number two, he hears you when you pray. Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. John 5, 14 and 50, now this is the confidence we have in him if we ask. Anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know he hears us, then we know we have the petitions we desire of him. Number three, you ask, he hears you. Number three, he answers you. <laughs> Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call upon me. I'm going to answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. You will not get voicemail with God. Lastly, foundation number four, when you pray, you must release your faith. Yeah. See, people, oh, if we just get enough people praying. No, everybody's got to release their faith. Faith and prayer go together. James 1.16, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Ask in faith because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, tossed and driven. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord.
I'm going to tell you straight up and be perfectly honest with you, and I don't really care what people think about me, but I have a lot of faith for revival. I know that I know that I know that God hears me when I pray. I know that I know that I know I carry the mantle of revival. If my part is the prayer part, I'm cool with that. But I know that when I pray that God hears me. I sometimes feel like actually that there's a gift of faith that kicks in operation. It's one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. It's different from our regular faith. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then we're going to close, and we'll be out of here in two minutes. Isaiah 44.3, God said, I will pour water on those that are thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. That's God's promise. Zechariah 10.1 says, ask for the rain. In the time of the latter rain. So, Heavenly Father, I just stand before this great people and before those who are listening on the Internet and the World Wide Web. I thank you that this gospel of teaching on prayer will go into all the worlds, and then the end will come. I pray, Father, we pray, all of us stand in agreement, all of us. We pray, Father, you said in your word that if the heavens were shut up and that we were, if we were in need of revival, you said in your word that if my people would pray, I would hear from heaven, yeah. forgive their sin, and heal their land. You said in your word and you promised us that you would pour water on those that are thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Father, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. We need you in this dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory. So, Father, we ask tonight as a corporate body and those that are listening via Internet, we ask that you would send another great awakening. We'll be specific in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in Connecticut, in Rhode Island, in the east coast of, of this part of the nation. We ask that you would send that tsunami of a wave of revival that we've heard prophesied. We ask that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.